Hello, welcome, and would you look at this mess? I'm your host, Kate, and the purpose of this podcast is to trace, explore, and celebrate the unconventionality that lives within all of us. Hey, hi, welcome back. Come on in. Um, I had some ideas of things that I wanted to talk about this week, but there has been some stuff going on in my life that I feel like I really need to just get off my chest (laughs) because it is weighing me down. And this sometimes this podcast operates as like a personal diary. (laughs) Instead of writing things down, I say them out loud and I explore them through the conversation with myself uh, in how to navigate whatever it is that I'm struggling with. So we're just going to do that today. So actually, I'm going to offer you a bit of a content warning just in that uh, some parts of this episode might come off sounding a little whiny. Excuse me. It might come off sounding a little whiny um, or like I'm ungrateful for my life um, because I will acknowledge that I am a highly privileged white woman living in North America, living in Canada. And so there are plenty of things in my life that I experience as privileges and as things that lots of other people don't have. Um, I have access to all kinds of different things, but... I'm definitely struggling (laughs) with some stuff. And so, yeah, I kind of just want to like talk about that because I also feel like this is part of being authentic to an audience, to the world, is to say, yeah, you know, like my life is is pretty great overall given everything that I have, but there are still things in my life that are not going the way that I would like them to. I'm struggling with things. Things are hard and... I need to be true to that. So um, basically what I want to discuss is employment stuff and career stuff uh, because that has been a central struggle for me for a little while now. And I did talk about some of this stuff because it comes down to like finances and things too. I had that episode back in the spring where I was talking about experiencing financial turbulence and instability um, during the pandemic after sort of government funding mostly dried up, or sorry, government support, I should say. And uh, there was this point in time when like Bobby had to be in daycare and I couldn't work yet or I didn't have work yet. And so there was this financial strain at that point. And so part of what I'm struggling with now, it's actually a few different things, but they're all sort of centered around this same uh, problem of like (laughs) gainful employment, essentially, um, and being valued in a position where I'm, I have paid work. <laughs> so, um, so I do work currently as an archaeologist in the field, and that's fine. I actually really love that job, and and I talked again a long time ago now about not climbing the corporate ladder and not trying to progress too far through my career at this stage. I didn't feel like I was ready and whatever. But so where I'm finding myself is actually sort of backed into a corner because the job is so unstable that I can't afford to keep doing it the way that it's going. 
if that makes sense. So basically what's happening is, uh, well, okay, again, climate change is such a huge problem. And so we're experiencing this as field archaeologists every single year. We notice it gets worse and worse. And so what we experience is that we go into the field. We're supposed to be there Monday to Friday. We work our hours are like seven to three or just around seven to three, um, especially in the summer. If it's not as hot, often we'll do eight to four. But my preference personally is eight, is seven to three anyway. So those are our hours typically. But what we're finding is happening is that we can't work very far into the day because the heat gets so bad and we have these policies in place for mitigating heat stress and uh, heat exhaustion, which are really, heat exhaustion is a really serious medical problem. So you really want to try to avoid that. Um, so yeah, we end up having to take long, more frequent, longer and more frequent breaks as the day wears on and it gets hotter. And then eventually a lot of the time it gets too hot and we have to leave because as part of our policy we're required to to leave the project if it gets to 45 degrees celsius um, and then even between 40 and 45 depending on how people are feeling what the field director is thinking um, and that's when you get to those really long breaks so you take a 30 minute break every hour and so at that stage then it's up to the field director sort of their discretion about whether or not you should be staying and so sometimes it'll you'll get called and we won't stay until the 45 but usually we do but lately like we're hitting 45 degrees by like 11 30 12 o'clock like noon you know <laughs> noon hour you're going home so you're getting sometimes only five, five and a half hours of work in a day. And then what's happening after that is that the heat waves, these huge, these intense heat waves are being broken up with big storms. And so again, we can't work when it's storming and rainy. So then we're just going through these cycles of being off work because it's rainy or sorry, it's really hot, intense heat, can't work through the heat. And then it's rainy and you can't work that then either. And so then we get like maybe the last and on the last few, the last two, month and a half, maybe more than a month, month and a half, we're lucky if we're getting like one to two full days in per week, which is super, super atrocious, like really bad. And, and like, the, and again, this has been progressively happening more and more over the years. In 2019, which was the last year that I was full time in the field, the very similar stuff was going on. It was very, very much the same. It wasn't quite as bad. Like we, we would have weeks where we'd have more than 25, 30 hour weeks. Uh, I feel like anyway, and also that stuff didn't start happening until a little bit later in the season. But, uh, but basically we had like a decent month of May in the field. And then since beginning of June, it's just been awful. We've, we've had some very, very bad weeks. And so because of the insecurity of all of that, and now uh, Bobby is in daycare, Emmeline is, is, has to be in day camp, which is not necessarily the most expensive thing, but in terms of how much it costs us per month for both of them to be in full-time care, it is very expensive. And so that's a cost that I absolutely have to pay because I need my kids in care while I work. And it's not something that I can just... Um, you know, like if I don't go to work one day, I still have to pay for my kids care, whether they're there or not. Right. It's not something that you can be like, oh, I'm not working today. Therefore, I'm not going to bring them in. I don't pay. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> if they get sick, you still pay. Um, so this is where there's like this. I feel this severe disadvantage towards mothers in particular, because 
you know, it's just those the way society still is, is that moms are the ones who are home with kids and then they go back to work. And then so, so that's when it triggers that point at which paying for childcare becomes necessary. And so it's hard for moms. I know it's hard for me specifically, I'm sure for other moms as well, to not feel like we are costing our family money to be working. And so it's just like, it, it, it's hard. It's very hard because we were already going to be stretched pretty thin financially because of the cost of childcare over the summer. And then now I'm like not even making <laughs> a full week the majority of the time. And so it just feels like this is a this is a complete dead end. And so that's why I say like I go I'm going to circle back to the fact that I feel like I'm being backed into a corner where I have to advance through the 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 industry uh, because I need the security of the job. I need the security that like I'm going to be able to pay my bills at the end of the month. But even then, you know, like the only path forward is for me to become a field director. And I know that my company has wanted me to be a field director for a couple of years. I've thrown it back and forth throughout that time about whether or not I feel prepared to do that and whether or not I want to do that. And now it's at a point where I'm like, well, I have no choice. I actually have to do this. If I want to ever have a more secure job, I have to do this. I have no other path forward. So that's a problem for me because I don't particularly want to take on that position um, because I've kind of explained before in other episodes, but I'll reiterate now, it doesn't really necessarily get you all that much security because the job of a field director is to direct the crew who are out in the field. So if you can't work because of the heat or because of the rain, you're not you're still not really working. Sometimes, if you're lucky, the company will throw other types of jobs at you so that you have something to fill those gaps in, but that doesn't always happen. Um, certainly doesn't seem to be happening lately. So then you're still not really left with a lot of job security and income security, but at that stage, then you have a lot more responsibility. You're, you're tasked with a lot more than just being a field technician, or in my case, a senior field technician, which again is a job that I quite enjoy doing. I like that job, but it's obviously not feasible. And so I sometimes feel like I'm living a little bit of a lie because I know I have friends who have said to me like, oh, it's so fantastic. Like, I look to you as the example of someone who is a mom who can do field work and yada. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not actually really being successful at it. Like, this is actually just an exercise in in, uh, being frustrated most of the time. So I'm just, I'm like struggling with that side of things because... I just need the income at this stage. I'm like, I just need to make money. So whatever I have to do to make the money, it doesn't really matter anymore. It doesn't even matter. Like, you know, the job itself doesn't, is less relevant to how do I make the money, (laughs) which is not a place that I want to be necessarily. It's not a place that I like being because it feels like I'm, I'm almost being greedy or like money hungry and which, I mean, I literally am. but not, not in the sense of like trying to create a more lavish life for myself. I'm literally just trying to survive and support my family. So that's not a great place to be, not a great feeling. And I am definitely struggling with that. And I feel like actually that might be somewhat relatable um, because like insecure job insecurity, I think is actually more common than what people lead on. Maybe it's not, but I feel like it is. Um, 
And yeah, so it kind of sucks because, you know, at the same time, I'm like, well, I'm actually really overqualified for that job, but there's nothing else available for me in a more senior role in that sense, right? So I'm kind of stuck where I am and I only have one path forward and it's not an ideal one, but it's just what I'm going to end up having to do. And so on the other side of this, I have been actively applying for other work, trying to transfer my skills from what I have now into doing something a little bit more of a corporate stream, which again goes against what I was like, I don't really want to have a corporate position. Or like I wasn't sure, but now I'm like, okay, I actually just need one because I need to be able to support the cost of living that we have. And, um, and you know, I don't want to just get by also. Like at some stage, I actually do kind of want to be able to have like a, a, a nice life. <laughs> that's, that's always the goal. So anyway, so I've been actively applying for other jobs and I did end up going through a very long and ultimately quite painful process of being interviewed for a job that that I would categorize as a dream job. I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. It's engagement stuff. It's cultural, uh, like, like interviewing stuff, which is something that I realized while doing my master's, I really love and I'm really good at and, you know, just communication stuff, all of those things. And so you know, they liked me and I liked them, (laughs) the company that I was interviewing with. I had applied with the company, I think in January, by mid-February, I think mid-February, they called me. I did like an over-the-phone interview uh, with HR. And then a few weeks later, she said, oh, that was, you know, that was a great interview. She called me back. She's like, we'd like to schedule for you for a Zoom interview with the um, the management and whatever. And I'm like, okay, great. And I did the uh, Zoom interview and she emailed me again. She said the interview was really positive. It was great. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. Like this seems very, you know, likely that I'm going to get this job. And then it was like six weeks. (laughs) And then finally she emailed me and said, yeah, sorry, we, we, you just missed it. Somebody else just squeaked in in ahead of you. And I was like, oh, This is a horrible feeling. Um, at the same, like, it's not a write-off. Okay, I'm not saying there was not value in that process, but I think the big thing is that it took so long for them to actually um, let me know that I was not the successful candidate um, because there was actually another job opportunity, which is not at all related to like my training or whatever. But it was just something that would have been solid work that was closer to home that would have been reliable that I had to turn down because I didn't know if I was getting that job. And that was the job that I was holding out for. And again, I was sort of, I felt like I was being led to believe that that I was going to get that job. (laughs) So then I was like, well, this is pretty frustrating. (laughs) And it's, not the worst thing ever because again since I was sort of the next person in line you know I think they're building a team of people in this particular area so again they've sort of explicitly told me that there's a possibility that there will be another hire hiring process and that I would be strongly considered for that that opportunity so it's not like the door is totally closed on that but at the same time again when you look at it from the perspective like I actually really need a good job right now. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's great. Yeah, in the future, maybe in like six months or nine months, maybe there will be something available and I'll be a good candidate for it and everything will be hunky-dory. But at the moment, things are quite stressful. And so that's where I'm like, I get I get 
anxious and uncomfortable and it actually makes me a little bit miserable which like miserable to be around which I find difficult because I'm not typically like that I'm usually super optimistic and quite upbeat and so I'm finding that I'm getting more and more down on things and I'm like oh my gosh like I just can't seem to get anywhere it's feels painful mostly um and then, so then I applied actually. So then the other thing is like, and I'm going to try not to divulge too much detail because I, I don't know if the person who is involved in this story will ever listen to this. Um, but basically a job posting came up for a company that I'm familiar with. People who work for my company currently have gone over to work for them. So like, I know them. I actually worked for the company years ago doing like a contract when I was first starting in archeology, span doing an archeology span job or whatever. So, um, I'm familiar with them. And according to the job posting, I was like 100% qualified for the job. So I was like, fantastic. I put in tons of hours, putting my resume together, like getting everything together and making sure it was really solid according to the job posting. And then, I submitted it and I was like, okay, I actually know the person who is the lead in this department. Um, so I'm going to reach out to them and be like, hey, I applied for this job because, you know, typically when you know someone who works for a company and they know you, it's a, it works in your favor to be like, hey, you know, you want to put in a good word for me, et cetera. Um, and it was actually like the opposite thing that happened. And so that was quite difficult um, because basically they they asked me sort of interview style questions, which was weird um, over like messenger to ask me to grill me with like things that were not anywhere to be found in the job posting questions about my experience and whatever. And I was like, uh, well, no, I mean, I, I kind of have that, but maybe not like as much as what you're asking. And then it was like, yeah, they're looking for someone who's more firmly established in the space. And I was like, I don't really know what that means, <laughs> but I, but I get what you're, what you're saying here is that I'm not it. <laughs> so I was like, uh, that's painful <laughs> because I mean, the job that I was interviewed for that I almost got was a further reach for me than what this job posting was. So for me, it felt like, oh, that's a, that's a no brainer. I'll totally get that job. And then it was suddenly went from that to like, there's no possibility that I'll get that job. It's like, why would you not put in your job posting what you're actually looking for? I don't understand anyway. So that was again, frustrating. And it's one of those things where it feels like a roller coaster. Like one moment, my ego is high. I'm like, oh yeah, I got really close on this one. That would have been an amazing job. And it would have been like a career builder. Just, just didn't quite get there. That's fine. That means that I've got a little bit of room to grow, but I'm almost there. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, again, applying for this job that arguably according to the posting I am completely qualified for and it's like oh but actually no there's no possibility that that's ever gonna happen <laughs> just oh man it feels so difficult and so I'm gonna obviously I'm just gonna say like I haven't been on the path of like applying for jobs for a long time I think I would say like early last year or, or sorry early this year is when I really started sending out resumes, um, and building my resume, um, and trying to like create templates for different types of jobs. Because the biggest thing is that I'm trying to get into something sort of adjacent to what I do now. 
I don't particularly want to continue to advance through the archaeological uh, industry because I find it to be extremely like when I look at people who are in those management positions and stuff, I think, Ooh, that does not look pleasant. It looks very, very stressful. And, um, and I don't, I don't know, like I will, if it, if it comes to that, but I would prefer to go a different direction. And, and also because the ceiling for income in that industry is actually quite low. And so, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I, if I can do that low of an income for, like long term, this is the end goal, right? Um, so anyway, <laughs> so I'm trying to move into something sort of adjacent, which means that I have to be creative in how I sell myself on my resume and my cover letter. And the bottom line is like, I'm an intelligent person. I'm capable of doing all kinds of things. I'm a super fast learner. I can pick up things no problem. You will give me a task, I will figure it out. And that's fine. But the people who are hiring don't know that. They don't necessarily know that they can take the chance on me to be successful in this job that they have very specific um, preferences for. And so I'm kind of like stuck. <laughs> it feels like I'm stuck anyway. And and my hope is, honestly, my hope really is that like in a year from now, I'll be recording a podcast about how I have this great job and everything worked out great. You know, like that's ideal, but I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, and I know that I am an impatient person, so that's a problem. <laughs> and uh, I have a little bit of difficulty with the elitism that comes with having a lot of higher education. And I will admit that uh, because I do sometimes look at people who have a better job than I do and I'm like, well, they don't have anything near the education and training that I have. How do they have a better job? You know, and it's just like, it's not necessarily all about that. That's not, it's not the be all end all, not anymore anyway. Um, and so it's just... <laughs> Yeah, that's a challenge for me because I always expect, like, I have this somewhat rigid expectation that I've gone through a lot of trouble to get a higher education and therefore I should be rewarded for that. <laughs> and so I like, I understand that this is a little bit absurd. And again, it's not the reality anymore. That might have been true 30, 40 years ago if I had a master's degree in something. It would have meant that I was highly employable in a lot of different industries, but it's very oversaturated and super competitive now. So like it just it doesn't mean as much. Um, and so and people can ask for more. Right. We've also created an environment for employment where where employers can ask for a, a lot and they can offer you not a lot of money for it. And so it just ends up degrading everything. Because part of the problem is that, like, I can't really take on work that doesn't pay me at least what I'm already being paid, which is quite a, a bit over minimum wage. So I can't just take any job, you know, like I can't afford to take whatever I can get. And I honestly don't want to anymore. I don't want to work in like the service industry or, you know, retail and stuff. Like I want to have a real adult person's job. That was, that's the goal. That was always the goal. Um, so I feel like this is just one of those moments where like it's growing pains. It's that moment where you're in between something and it feels really like terrible. You feel like you're being quashed and crushed all the time. When at the end of it, you can 
burst through somewhere and you feel really good about it. But they, that, so that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this because I feel like this is probably pretty common. I feel like people probably go through this stuff all the time, but we don't talk about that, those moments, the in-between, right? The, the time when you're putting in all kinds of work and labor into something and it's not getting you anywhere yet and you have to just keep going. You have to keep putting the time and labor in. You have to be patient and be willing to keep at it, right? It's the consistency, continuing to show up and do the things that need to be done in order to get where you want to go. Um, putting out two resumes uh, in a highly competitive industry where they're looking for skills that sometimes you don't have um, is not going to get you where you want to go. And I think for me personally, I definitely tend to have the mindset that I'm like, well, I'm qualified to do anything and I know that I'm smart and capable, like they should just give me a job. But you have to look at it from the perspective of an employer who's like, "Mm, you haven't had a job like this before, so how can I be sure that I'm not going to waste my time in vetting and hiring you and you're going to just flounder and and not be able to do it? So that's a challenge. Um, And that's kind of what I'm facing now is just having somebody take that chance and say, yeah, you look like you're capable and you're going to be competent. I'm going to give this to you and we'll hope for the best. (laughs) And I'm telling you, I, I am very confident in my ability to like kick ass at whatever it is that I end up doing. I always kick ass at whatever it is that I do, but it is definitely difficult to prove that to other people who need to be strategic and mindful in their hiring. So yeah, I'm like, this is where I am. I'm, I'm really having a a tough time with this. It's, it's not something that... I imagined I would struggle so much with. Um, but I think, you know, this is all part of that sense of the things that are really worth having, the things that are really worth it, take the time and the work. And the things that come easiest are the things that are not as valuable, right? So, like, when I think about getting jobs, I think, well, there are probably a handful of jobs that I could throw a resume in today and I'd have a job tomorrow. Like, that are easy, but then they're, they're not going to pay well and the hours are going to be inflexible or the management's going to be hard on you. You know, like there's going to be all of those downsides that are really degrading to people, which I don't think anybody should have to do that. Honestly, I think we do need to sort of reform our sense of like service jobs and, um, those, those type of jobs that are like the lower level quote unquote jobs. Uh, we do need to sort of have a reckoning with, with that as well. But in the meantime, that's how it is. And I'm not willing to subject myself to that. <laughs> and I mean, I'm willing to subject, subject myself to the possibility that management will be hard on me, but at least they're going to pay me good money to do that. <laughs> you know, like, I, <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, cause I do, I, I, I kind of go between like, well, I should try and find something that I'm actually going to enjoy versus I also just need to make some money. Like I just need to get into the door somewhere. So anyway, I am working very hard lately and this is one of the one of the upsides of the spottiness of my job is that when I come home I can immediately come in and just start working on resumes, start doing the job searches. I'm on Indeed like every day in LinkedIn like what do you got for me? <laughs> and then just going right to like building a resume for anything that I can find and then throwing it out there and I don't think I've I don't think I've ever 
been so intense with resume writing and cover letter writing and actually like sitting down and doing this diligently um, in my whole life ever. I've never had to work so hard to get a job. But that's also what tells me that this is where something good will come out of it, right? Something good will come out of the work that I'm putting into it. And it's just a matter of continuing to press on and do it, right? Things don't just happen overnight. Things don't just suddenly fall into your lap. Um, That's not very common. And so I think about this even in the sense of like people who get into the acting profession or people even in social media, when you want to be an influencer, there is a bit of a conversation of like, you're going to have to deal with a lot of rejection, but we don't necessarily have that narrative about job hunting, about hunting for like real jobs, right? Like corporate jobs or um, industry jobs. Like we don't necessarily realize all the time, especially when you're trying to do a, like a transition from one industry to another or from, you know, the, the field work to the office job, that stuff can be really difficult. It can be really challenging to get the opportunity that you need in order to like build up into that career. And so this is what I'm telling myself <laughs> in order to like keep going because it's very discouraging when you feel like you're doing so much and it's not yielding very much back. And I think, again, going back to this idea that like the narrative kind of needs to be shifted, we need to start to acknowledge that these things take time and they take energy. And and again, highly privileged in that I even have the time and energy to do these things. I can only imagine what it's like for people who have to work two to three jobs just to make ends meet and don't ever end up having the opportunity to sit down and work through a resume and work towards getting that better job that they can let go of the other ones. Like that's a whole other issue in itself. So yes, I'm very privileged in that I can come home. My kids are still in care by the time I get home and I can sit down and work on a resume and I don't have to fill that gap immediately with something else. Although that is part of what I have to do now is find some alternative work as well to make sure that I can still pay for the care that I need so that I can work. Oh my God, it's such a, such a weird thing. (laughs) This is why like I'm suddenly realizing how important it will be that childcare is is at least heavily subsidized or if not paid for by the government in the near future. Because if we really are committed to mothers being in the workplace, that is where the need lies. That is where most women who don't go back are forced out because it is not worth it to work to pay for childcare. Literally, that's all you're doing. I mean, some women do it anyway because they are like me where they're like, well, I'd rather stay relevant and keep working towards something better so that when that cost alleviates, um, <clears throat> I can move into something better, right? Like, that's fine too. But it is, it's, it would be very difficult for a lot of women to make that choice. Um, to be away from your kids all that time. And this is something that came up at work yesterday, even because we kind of found out that like, not only are we struggling to get hours when we do have a project, but when we finish the project that we're on, there's no more projects. Like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. So they just are having some delays or whatever with management and like, they don't have anything lined up for us right after. And and everybody kind of had, we took like a five minute breather to process that while we were working. Um trying to figure out what the heck we're all going to do. 
And so I said, you know, like one of the challenges of this job is that you don't always know when you're not going to have work, right? Like right now we have a little bit of heads up that we probably won't have work for the last couple of days of the week next week. And then who knows going after that. Um, but normally when you have these these gaps in your week, it's very little notice. Either you leave partway through the day because it gets too hot or you get a rain day called and you find out at like five o'clock in the morning that you're not going to work. Um, and so the opportunity to fill in those gaps with other work is really difficult. And then one of my coworkers was like, well, you just have to work on, you have to do weekend work and stuff. And I'm like, well, and I said, yeah, I mean, you can do weekend work. I said, I'm again, as, as I always say, I'm in a little bit of a unique situation because I have kids and they're not in care on the weekends. And so it's difficult for us to make that work. And he's like, well, your husband's home. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. We're already exhausted from him working crazy hours and me trying to work and get the resumes and put patch, you know, in with other work. (laughs) So yeah, if I absolutely had to work on the weekends and be away from my family for even more hours of the week, sure, I could do that. It would be disastrous for my family, but you know, whatever you have to do to make ends meet at this point. So that sounds, uh, I know that sounds like a really privileged thing to say again, but it's like, uh, at some stage it would be really great if I could just have a job where I could like go to the job Monday to Friday and know that I had the hours and that I was going to have the money and (laughs) it would just be, it feels so absurd to me that at this stage and even in this industry, that's not something that can be relied on is like, am I going to be able to work most days this week? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, it's a whole thing. So yeah, that's, like I said, that's where I am. I'm just trying to figure all of this stuff out and figure out where the heck I'm going to be, where I'm going, how I'm going to get there, (laughs) just one step at a time. And so, yeah, I'm just in a really uncomfortable stage. I'm in a very shitty spot. And it sucks, and I don't like it, and I want it to be over. But as much as I want to give up, because I think that's the crux of it, is like I want to just give up and be like, it's too hard, I can't do it, but I can't be like that. I can't be, essentially, you can't be a quitter. You can't, you can't quit on yourself, and I don't want to quit on myself. Um, but, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. And this is the honest truth about being in this particular profession, this particular industry, and it's only going to get worse, at least with the fieldwork stuff. Because, I mean, when I started doing archaeology in like 2012, um, we never, ever were sent home for heat. Like, I, I cannot remember, maybe one time it got too hot to finish the day and, and we went home. But like, the majority of the time, we, we worked through and the rain was the only thing that kept us but at least that was one thing where it was like fairly predictable you know and it didn't ruin necessarily a whole week of work is having heat and rain together just oh man it really screws everything up so yeah I mean and like I said climate change is happening it's it's happening right before our eyes and so this is having a, a significant detrimental impact on this particular industry for that reason and other reasons as well in terms of erosion and loss of, of materials there's also that side of it too but that's a different thing um but yeah it's really having an impact and i'm sad i am sad that like i'm gonna have to give up the job that i love because it's not sustainable i always knew that it wasn't but i just 
I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I hoped that it would be a little bit more time before I really felt like I needed to move on. So anyway, oh man, this is a real ramble. And if you made it to the end, thank you. Um, and, you know, sorry for being whiny. <laughs> But I do, like, I, I don't know, I feel like maybe it, it sounds whiny, but at the same time, I want it, there to be this underlying message of, like, things are hard and things can be hard and we can get through them. We can we can work through this stuff. We can do it, right? Um, we're, we're strong. I'm strong. You're strong. We can do this. Okay. Thank you. If you have thoughts or if you have any jobs that you want to give me... <laughs> I'm just kidding, but not really. Um, you know, you can always reach me. Uh, I leave my contact info in the show notes and share the podcast with some people. You know, there's maybe there's something, an avenue I can sort of pursue in the in this realm, trying to get sponsorships or something to help fill in those gaps too. So share the podcast, let people know about it. Um, let me know if you are struggling or, you know, if you have experienced something like this and how you made it through let me know what your experiences looked like so thank you again i am grateful for you being here every time and i feel good to have gotten this off my chest and hopefully next week i'll have something a little bit more riveting <laughs> to talk about but i felt too distracted by what is going on to be able to, th to focus on anything else so yeah thanks a lot and um i will see you in the next one <laughs>